Hello everyone, this is your host Justin St. Teal, and this is the first episode of the Young, Gifted, and Non-Dominant podcast. Young, Gifted, and Non-Dominant is an online publication that seeks to connect diversity opportunities in business, finance, public policy, STEM, and a plethora of other verticals. Along with a comprehensive database of internship and program opportunities, YGNN offers op-eds and a great deal of tactical advice regarding securing those opportunities. Please check out www.younggiftednondominant.com for more info. On this show, I'll keep you updated on diversity opportunities, have guests on who have experienced the programs in order for them to tell you their stories and share advice, and as always, strive to connect brilliant students of color with career advancing opportunities. For the inaugural episode of the podcast, I have the honor of interviewing the co-founder of the organization, Aqua Kwe. Hi. Hi, Justin. To start us off, can you give us a bit of your origin story? Um, If you could talk a bit about where you grew up, experiences at Columbia, and where you are currently working. Yeah, sure. Um, So hi, everyone. My name is Akua Kwe. I am a recent graduate of Barnard uh, College of Columbia University, which is a women's college in New York City. I graduated this past May as the class of 2018. Um, Originally, I'm from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, which is where I grew up. And I went to the same high school, university school for 14 years uh, before moving on to New York to be at Barnard, where I studied political economics. Um, I'm half Guinean, half Cameroonian, which is why my name is very uh, unique. Um, But yes, but I was born in the States and I grew up in Fort Lauderdale. Um, As my experience at Columbia, um, I had an amazing time. I love the Barnard community so much and I miss it all the time. Uh, So if anyone in college, I definitely treasure your days. Um, I was a political economics major and I really enjoyed uh, being a part of student government, I was first year class president, sophomore class president, and also was VP of campus life. So I was actively involved on campus and also like a admissions um, representative as well um, and really loved being involved with the community. Um, as for what I do now, occupationally, I'm based in Chicago. I moved here this past July to start working at Nielsen, uh, which is a consumer analytics firm. Um, I work in the uh, client delivery sector, predominantly with with CPG companies like Kraft and Tyson, doing analysis for them on the types of products that they have in market. Very cool. Now, what exactly led you to create Young, Gifted, and Non-Dominant? Yeah, so I just remember um, being in college and uh, wanting, knowing that like college is a great time to get internship opportunities, to grow yourself as a person and as a leader. Um, and I didn't really know where to start in that respect. All I knew is that I, I, didn't, I knew that had, there had to be diversity opportunities out there. And so oftentimes all I was doing was just Googling diversity and consulting and diversity in uh, business or um, diversity in internships and see what would pop up. And sometimes you'd find out about things like the Google Bold or... Um, uh, or other other initiatives or like uh, super days that are going on that were like either women focused or people of color focused. Um, but of course, that method can only go so far. A lot of things uh, slip through my filter, um, one of which was MLT, which is an organization that seeks to um, 
give students of color who are interested in business, entrepreneurship, tech, um, give them a two-year fellowship uh, where they become a part of a cohort of 300 students. Um, and they uh, go to conferences where they learn about professionalism, uh, where they learn where they get firsthand access to interviews, um, uh, let re resume help, they get a mentor, um, and a lot of them get a full-time job, like or probably over 90% of the, the people who go through your cohort get like full-time job offers afterwards. So it's a really great, um, network to be a part of. And I remember you had to apply your sophomore of uh, your sophomore year of college. And I think I think I found out about it like sophomore summer going from sophomore year to junior year. And I was like, what? I just missed this like really great opportunity right at the deadline. Like I just a, set, like, a few weeks earlier could have been a part of it. Um, and it really frustrated me that like I was I'm also an only child, so I don't have older siblings who can who did this already and who can give me advice and stuff like that. So I really felt like I was navigating the system alone. And even though my parents went to college as well, um, they went at a very different time for me where a lot of these opportunities didn't exist. So they really didn't know anything either. Um, so I really felt like I was alone in this process. And um, unfortunately, I wasn't as involved in like the different black organizations on campus which maybe they might have advertised these stuff this st kind of stuff but I personally felt like I was going at it alone and so I kept thinking to myself whenever I was talking to other people who I thought were equally eligible and great for um, this type of program they'd all be like oh I wish I knew too oh I wish I knew too and a lot of times I found myself finding out about really cool diversity opportunities just by passing by somebody and being like hey how are you what are you, what are you what's up in your life and they'd be like oh i just applied to this and like oh this what is the deadline they're like oh it's on wednesday and i literally scramble and go online and uh fill out an application and just be like you know it's up in the air like god do what you can um i only had two days to write this cover letter situation and that's how i got into svmp which is harvard business school's like two like one week uh program where you get, for students of color where you get to go to hbs and sit in on cases and do really cool things but i literally found out about that deadline two days before it happened and i could have missed out on a really great network that i'm now a part of um so those kind of experiences kept making me think there's so many qualified students of color out there who just don't know about these things who are, or who are only finding out about it from word of mouth or through group me pages so after svmp we created a group me and everyone always like dumps in uh different uh opportunities there but after like a day like that opportunity is like forgotten and like pushed to the very top of the message board so um i'd always what i do is i'd start to accumulate those uh, opportunities and put them into an Excel file and eventually I was like I want to consolidate this and make it very easy and very accessible for students of color to find these opportunities as soon as you start college. And now the organization began by you just aggregating all of these various opportunities. When did it transition to a website? When did you decide you really wanted to start sharing what you were collecting? Yeah, when did it transition to a website? Um, I think I always knew I eventually wanted it to be something more concrete, um, like a booklet. Um, and initially I thought it was only going to be for Columbia University, like, or the Barnard community, essentially. And then I realized that, like, why keep this to ourselves? Um, I'm putting so much time and effort into this. It may as, and, and I realized that there is a need probably amongst all other predominantly white institutions. Um, and I realized that if I'm putting all this time and effort into this, I'm sure somebody in a college in, um, 
in Washington, D.C., in Nevada. Like, it's not something that's only, the problem isn't only unique to Columbia, and that's when I realized a website would be necessary so I can disseminate the information uh, to, to a wider audience. If it was something that, like, maybe could only be applicable to Columbia, because before, I think it was just going to be, like, a, a, a guy that tells you, like, where are the best places to go get your hair done and like 125th street and like the restaurants to eat around um in the upper west side but then when i decided to ditch that and just focus on the diversity opportunities um that's when i realized that this could be something that goes beyond the columbia bubble and can be um used with other universities i'm also curious what exactly is the large goal or larger vision for the platform yeah, good question. Um, I think this platform can go in so many different directions. Just Justin, who has joined our team um, this past semester with his idea of having a podcast, I guess something that I'd never imagined um, doing with this platform before, but, is, but of which is such a great idea. Um, I think long term, it's just continuing to partner with universities. I'd love for us to have like, you know, over 50 universities who are partnered with us and partnership just means willing to disseminate our information to your student body and willing to, um, you know, put it up in your career development center or in your your uh, diversity office. So like, that's a goal of, of mine, continuing to expand our reach on social media um, and making sure more and more students are aware of the resource we have. Um, I also think there's a great potential to have kind of like how we're having a launch party and bringing students together with um, Columbia alums and other students in the city who have gone through the same experiences uh, of programs in the booklet um, and things like that. I think those are really great opportunities to like to have students of color meet other students of color who've gone through these processes and to network and to continue to expand your network. So I think having networking events in different cities is something that would be a really great opportunity in the future um, where people can just share ideas and create a really cool group, meet a really cool, ah, excuse me, meet a really cool group of other students of color who are equally passionate and equally motivated about different interests. Um, so ideally, like, it could go to a number of directions from future networking groups, um, can go into a direction of maybe hosting like a, a summit or a conference of some sort um, on a smaller scale, maybe in New York, and then maybe we'll see where else it can go. But um, I'm very open to anything. Uh, for me, the main goal is just making sure students know about this resource and um, getting it out there to as many people as possible in the short term. <laughs> that is extremely exciting. Uh, now, as someone who recently entered the workforce, do you feel that universities do a good job in preparing students for the workforce? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think it varies, and I can pretty, pretty much only speak to my own experience. Um, when I first started college, I can definitely say, and it probably is some a similarity in other university career development centers, which is that they tend to focus heavily, at least in New York City, heavily on consulting and finance um, and making sure students are prepared for that and to some extent. Um, but if you're an art history major looking to go work for MoMA or um, work in a museum or uh, at an art gallery, or if you're a theater major hoping to go into the arts and um, do small acting gigs and stuff like that, like that might not be your career development center may not meet your needs as much. And I feel like that was what was the case at Barnard. And we are definitely shifting um, as we've become beyond Barnard, which is a more, I think, a more inclusive uh, career development center that's actively trying its best in how to support students of different disciplines that aren't the majority that tend to be focused in New York, which is like finance and consulting. And so I feel like when it comes to can career development centers support students um, after graduation. I think it really comes to like, are they meeting the needs of the student body outside of like the top two 
um, income gaining fields um and and then once they do can they host like workshops like i think i remember when i was interested in consulting and stuff like that uh and and finance at the time um Barnard's Career Development Center had a workshop where someone came through and they went through like a whole uh, uh, day long of training of like how to go through all the different Excel modules and like learning all these complex functionalities so you could be prepared for a finance um, uh, a finance interview. And we also have these things called careers and coffee where, um, they bring alums from the different fields, whether you're in entertainment or the arts or law who can speak to their day-to-day lives as like being a lawyer or being, um, an MBC or something like that. And like what, and what, what that's like. And I think those are really helpful opportunities to also build your network. And so our career development centers at different universities doing that, um, I don't know. And it also depends heavily on, income um so being at a ivy league university like they have a lot more money to do these types of resources but if you're a publicly funded university um or a university that has like 50,000 students i could i could i can assume that like the the help and the support you get is probably not as useful um or not as yeah probably not as helpful when you have that many students to have to manage um so resources like young gifted non-dominant can definitely help students out who are students of color at, at universities that might just be too big to be able to meet their needs and hopefully we can provide them with some guidance and some resources as to like what's open and available for them to apply for what is the best internship or program experience that you had during your four years at university yeah. Um, so the really the best program I ever had was HLab, um, and the application is open right now and rolling for those interested. Um, HLab is a program that was started by an MIT grad back in the day who wanted to bring um, liberal arts education to Jap- to Japan. And so he was interested in getting uh, college students from the United States, and now it's been expanded to international college students, um, to come and teach any course that they like um, to Japanese high school students for about three to four days, which is creating like a small seminar. And then after the schooling program portion ended, you would then um, be a camp counselor, um, essentially, for like the rest of the the rest of the two weeks. And so I was based in Anagawa. Um, so you have one of four cities you could be based in, either Tokyo, Obuse, Anagawa, or Tokushima. And I was based in Anagawa, which was hit a couple years ago by a tsunami that really like washed out a lot of the town. And so it's being it's been rebuilt and it's a lot better now. Um, but I was able to go there and meet local people, um, be a part of the community, uh, learn more about their fishing industry, as well as get to teach these high school students about a subject that I really cared about, um, which is the intersection of colonialism, urban development, and climate change. And it was loosely based off a course I took at Barnard called uh, Cities in Developing Countries, which I highly recommend, um, taught by Professor Sylvan Yildiz. It's in the Urban Studies Department. Um, and so I just really enjoyed that course and I really enjoyed talking about sustainability and urban development and things that are really important to me. So I think it's a really great opportunity for people to uh, be leaders um, in a smaller setting where you get to create something and you get to share your passion. So other people talked about media, other people talked about philosophy, other people did courses on economics, um, literally whatever you want to create, you're more than willing, you're more than welcome to create, submit your application and um, hopefully it works out and you get to go. They fund all the programming and expenses once you're in Japan, but you are responsible for like your expenses to Japan and back from Japan. Uh, they also do have financial aid though, so um, that's nice. But yeah, if you, in, in regards to food and accommodation and travel within Japan, that is covered by the program, which is really nice. That sounds amazing. How did you find out about HLab? HLab was literally luck on 
Facebook. Um, so what happened is that I, I like was trying to, what's it called? I initially was trying to like rush this like business fraternity at Columbia's campus and I made it to the very last round and then decided to quit last minute. But one of the girls in my class, um, was, people always get spammed with Facebook invites. Look at your Facebook invites, people. You never know. You never know. A cool opportunity could be in there. So she invited me and I was like, what is she inviting me to? And I read the description and I was like, oh, this is like super cool. But like, had I not rushed for that um, frat that I ended up dropping out of, I would not have been her friend and I would have missed out on this really cool opportunity, which now everyone else knows about. Um, but it was really just by luck that I saw that notification and that I opened it. I could have easily, on any given day, I don't look at my notifications or I skip over a lot of them. So it was really by chance. And now my last question for today, what are some ways people can support and partner with YGNN? Yeah. Um, so some easy ways to partner. I have a couple listed. Um, so we have a flyer that we're in that is in the works um, that we'd like career development centers, diversity offices, um, people hosting conferences. We'd like for you to print them out and have them available in your office. Um, that way students can easily access our, our website and our Instagram page and can, can subscribe to our newsletter. Um, other ways is like, yes, yeah, subscribing to our newsletter, which uh, will send out monthly information on like upcoming deadlines. We'll have the op-eds from different students, um, as well as the podcast that we have ready to go for, for that week. So definitely subscribe to our newsletter as well. Um, and also like subscribe to our podcast when that becomes available. Um, we also need more op-eds. So if you've done a really cool experience uh, recently in the past year or so, and you'd like to write about that experience, uh, we'd love to know about how the application process goes. Like, what do you need in the application? Were there interviews? What that process was like? What your overall day, typical day was for you at that program? And stuff like that. We'd like to know the nitty-gritty so that other students who read your um, op-ed uh, know what they're getting themselves into when they apply for this program. Um, we'd also like for you to submit diversity opportunities into our Google survey. So if you go to our website and click on resources and YGN, um, one of our links is a Google survey that if you if, there re if there's a resource that's not in our Airtable or in our booklet, we'd love for you to submit it so that we can add it to our Airtable. And once we update our um, booklet for the next cycle, we can include it into the booklet as well. Um, lastly, um, for those who are students, um, actually, JK, not lastly, um, at your next club meeting, um, if you are part of a club on campus, uh, please tell your members to follow us on Instagram and subscribe to our newsletter. newsletter. Um, we're hoping to have sweepstakes coming in the coming month for different really cool things, so look out for that on Instagram. Um, but lastly, for those of you who are in the NYC area, we are having a launch party um, for the booklet on Tuesday, February 12th at 6.30 p.m. on Barnard's campus. Um, it'll be hosted in the Diana Center, room 504. We're going we're to have panelists with different backgrounds, some in social justice, consulting tech, the arts, and a couple other fields that we're looking to secure. And essentially, just going to be like a really chill opportunity for you to talk to students who've done programs that you might be interested in um, and to get advice and info from them, but also to celebrate the launch of this initiative and make sure more people know about it. Um, this program is open to the public, so if you go to a different college like uh, Baruch, Fordham, NYU, please feel free and welcome uh, to come join us. That concludes our interview. Thank you so much, Aku, for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Justin.
Thank you so much for listening to the episode. We hope you enjoyed it and it brought you some useful information. Just a couple of the upcoming deadlines uh, that you might want to have on your calendar. Um, one of the closest ones, HLab, the program that Aku spoke about during the interview, has their regular admission deadline on February 28th. Now, HLab, as she told you, provides college students and recent graduates with the unique experience of being seminar instructors to high school students in Japan. So just keep in mind that regular admission deadline is on February 28th, and all the information is in our newsletter and on our website if you'd like to check that out. And uh, another upcoming deadline is February 11th for the Davis Project for Peace. Now, the Davis Projects for Peace program is an invitation to undergraduates at the American colleges and universities in the Davis United World College Scholars Program to design grassroots projects that they will implement during the summer. If you're interested in the program, we have more uh, information in the newsletter and on the website, um, but that deadline is also, as Aku said in the interview, if you are in the New York area, um, please, please, please come to our launch party on the 12th of February. Uh, we would love to see you there. And if you listen to this episode, please tell us that. Tell us any feedback you have. Um, we're very excited for the podcast. And hopefully we can continue to deliver useful and timely information for you. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate us, share us, subscribe to us. See you next time.